Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Horticulture Week I'm a Horticulture Week editor, Matthew Appleby, and today I'm with garden designer Peter Donegan. Now, Peter is the series garden designer for RTV, to RTE Television's DIY SOS, The Big Build Island. And um, in April 2019, he designed an RHS Flower Show Cardiff Garden and um, has designed more gardens uh, for RHS shows um, subsequently, which we'll talk about later. Um and he was selected to represent Ireland to design and realise the Irish World War One Centenary Peace Garden in France in 2018. And he plans to return there in 2022, this year. And Peter was host of the pioneering Sod Show Garden podcast before gardening podcasts were even a thing. So welcome, Peter. Matt, how are you? Happy New Year. It's long overdue. Great to hear your voice again. Well, great to hear you from you too, Peter. It's a, it's an honour to have um, have a, a legend of uh, of gardening podcasts on. Now, just to start off, just to kick off with with that garden podcast at the Sod Show, it was you know, well ahead of its time in my view. Um, but um, it's not around anymore. So, what what's your reflections on the Sod Show and uh, and what it meant for um, this sort of genre? I, I think the Sod Show was, uh, uh, to be honest, Matt, it was a bit of a freak of a, a thing it was around when podcasting wasn't a thing and I think at its height uh, at the Garden Media Guild Awards uh, I think it was up against the Guardian newspaper uh, the Royal Horticultural Society and the, the BBC at one point in time um, but it, I think it reached a crescendo where I think after about 10 years I, I think there's something in my head where you always like to go out on a high and it was never really announced why it came off the airwaves, albeit it still exists in, in, in the annals of history. Um, but I, I think around the time um, Dad had passed away and I remember a moment where I looked down at my then young, younger daughter 
and it was a case of do you go and record another episode or do you sit down and put your arms around her and and I obviously chose to to do what um good dads do and uh um and that was that and I, I think it just it went out on a high and I think it was time uh, other podcasts had come along the way and, and ultimately I think the remit we had was there really only was the BBC, uh, the RHS and the Guardian podcast with Jane Perron at the time and and it needed something new and I gave it that. Um, but it was it, it was good. I miss it dearly. Uh, I spoke to our esteemed colleague Stephen Bennett uh, by phone yesterday and we became you know very good friends because of that and there's there's a litany of people including yourself who were part of that journey and and you look back on it and I I regret nothing of it but I think I also had a, a point in time in my my own business career where I, I just had to stop doing things that were um for free <laughs> I was and, going to say Peter who who were your best ever guests um <laughs> God, that's a that's a really difficult question, and I'm I'm going to sound like my mom and say you're all my favourites. Uh, but I think, I think there was a a lovely episode in there where I interviewed uh, Matt Biggs, and I I couldn't get through to him on the phone, and because I only had thirty minutes to record an episode, and that's all I had to spare, we left in all of the mistakes because we'd no other choice. Uh, we just didn't have the time. Um, but but that one probably stands out. I, I think a little bit. Bennett's one was good. Your own was obviously very good. Um, obviously, which, yeah, yeah. Are there any are, are there any other highlights though? I mean, what 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 did you enjoy about it? What what sort of made it float your boat? I, I think it was just. I think when you get past the horticulture part of it, and you you end up in uh, having conversations with people about how their brains tick, and. Uh, I remember, I think, in, in Chelsea with, uh, with Kate Gold and she'd done the Greenfingers charity garden and we were lying on the cargo net uh, look, with people below us on, on press day. And it, just, it, was, it was ultimately a, a freak of a thing. But people, I think, seemed to, to warm to the fact that when it went wrong, it almost endeared you to it. Uh, and if there were squeaky trailers or, or people in the background giggling, we just sort of left it in. I, I'm unsure why it worked, Matt, but, you know, when two grown men or a grown man and a grown lady are having a conversation about what makes you tick, and if that makes you smile, well, then, you know, I, I don't know what's... I don't really know what the story was with it or why it was successful, but it was, and I'm very grateful. But it comes down to the other person on the end of the line, ultimately. Well, I thought you were very good at questioning people and getting stuff out of them in a, in a nice way. I mean, what, what were the sort of highlights in terms of revelations of things you found out that, you know, you didn't think that you'd ever find out? Um, I, I, I think because I'd studied horticulture and because my own career, like I was, I was at six years of age, I think it's worth maybe noting, I, I knew what phototropism was at six years of age when nobody or Google didn't exist. I was doing rooftop gardens on top of multi-storey car parks when I was 17. And I was out on my own in business at 24 years of age. And there was, there was no sort of Cliff Richard, top of the pops, Terry Wogan chat show, if you will, answer that you could give me where people just accepted it. Uh, and I think when you're sitting with, you know, be it yourself or Andrew Fisher Tomlin or 
you know, Matt Biggs or the heads of RHS shows and they're telling you that everything's a walk in the park. And behind the scenes, we are, we are all aware, and I've been there where sponsorships have been pulled on, on show gardens and things don't always go according to plan. And I think when you're at that level with people and the conversation is just that, I think the honesty tends to come out where maybe other podcasts are a little bit more about plants and a love of plants. And, and I just wanted to get deeper into how the person's brain sort of morphed. I mean, and again, I'll reference Kate in why would you want to go and do a, a two, three story garden at Chelsea when you could do it on the flat? It was as simple as that. Uh, and, and sometimes the answer that she gave me maybe wasn't good enough or, or maybe there was just a little bit of a daydreamer in me that, that wanted to go a little bit deeper. But people, the listeners seemed to like it. Uh, the, the people we interviewed seemed to want to be a part of it. And, um, and, and yeah, just a couple of, you know, it was almost like, as we used to say and we used to joke about it, it was like sitting in a pub having a chat with your best mate. Uh, but in this case, it was about horticulture and it was in the middle of a field. And, and it, ju- <laughs> it just worked. It just worked. Now, now we would we're turning a bit sort of poacher turned gatekeeper. I don't know if that's the phrase, but something like that anyway. But uh, so because I'm going to ask you the questions now. So uh, you've, you've designed gardens for RHS shows. You're talking about RHS shows there and, and you know, Chelsea 2022 is just launching a bit of a bit of a bounce back for that. Mm. But since um, you've, you've not always um, they've always not always come to fruition, let's say that. Um, for various reasons. I mean, how much of a frustration is that some of the gardens you've designed haven't actually happened in recent times? Um, I, I, I'll, hmm, that's a, the shoe very much is on the other foot, Matt. Um, I, I think honestly, when you're asked to design a garden for the world's largest flower show, for the greatest horticultural organization in the world, uh, you have to take that as some sort of compliment or or an absolute compliment if i may uh, that it doesn't actually get there it, you might say is almost secondary if not tertiary uh, and and i won't deny that it is slightly frustrating when it happens a second or a third time but it's i also appreciate matt it's, it's nothing personal it's the in, in the exact same way as somebody inviting you private client to design a garden for them and things don't go according to plan or things change there's there's nothing far different apart from it's on a higher platform if i might call it that but i i, I can tell you for free I, I wouldn't be on my own in those that have sponsors come to them the gardens are designed it's all ready to go and, and it pulls the plug and you know this as well as anybody and over the last two years maybe that's become a little bit more uh, understandable um, and I think that's probably a little bit where we, we've fallen but I, as I said when I was speaking at uh, Futurescape and I, and I was hosting the um, Future of Landscape Design uh, talk for Jim and his team at, at Pro Landscaper um, I, I certainly am not on my own in, in saying that there's been two Hampton Court Palace Flower Show Gardens and one Chelsea go by the way and these things just happen. Um, but but again, I'll say it. I'm I'm certainly not on my own, um, and it's just part of business. And you you get up, you dust yourself off, you you try and find a, a sunshine on the horizon, if I, if I might call it that, and um, make a new plan. And you get on with it. 
So what have you got lined up? Have you got anything along the, in those um, fields lined up? Well, we're back in, in France. We'd, we'd obviously done the, I think it was one of 14 international garden designers selected uh, to design in historic places to commemorate the centenary of the ending of World War One, alongside uh, Andrew Fisher Tomlin. And uh, I think he represented Wales and, and the Bassons, uh, James and Helen, they represented uh, England. Yours truly was uh, obviously from the, the island off the, the coast of England. Um, and uh, then the, the castle got back in touch with us and said, would we redesign the internal courtyard to commemorate centenary, sorry, it's not centenary, my apologies, to commemorate the 30th anniversary of what is Europe's largest war museum contained within the castle. So we're, we're in the process of relocating back to France. We were there before Christmas. Um, and coincidentally, we have a, a peace park here in Dublin, um, which is to commemorate the soldiers, sailors and airmen uh, for 2023, who would have fought uh, alongside the British in, in the Great War. Um, so there's something sort of maybe because of what I've done in France in, in 2018, again in 2022 to be, <clears throat> I'm back to Dublin. Um, I think we've, uh, we've obviously got Series 3 of DIY SOS, which is, uh, I think it was Ireland's most watched television programme uh, last year. Season 2 is yet to air, so to be fair, that's keeping me quite busy. Um, and we've just done a retail park for uh, probably the largest manufacturer of stone in uh, Ireland anyway and abroad, and that's Roadstone. They've got a retail park, um, which is in the throes of uh, travel, as you're probably well aware, is being slightly restricted. So there are um, gardens that are on the fore or, or due on the horizon, but unannounced as, as yet, or I can't tell you just yet about them, Matt. Fair enough. What's it like to designing for TV compared to designing for real life? Um, I think if we, if we take what is on the horizon for season two, and this will put it in context, uh, the, the Irish model of the, of the programme, which I'm sure will be due to travel, um, the biggest one we did was, was 0.8 of an acre. And we built the entire house and garden in about, I think it was eight days. Um, so designing gardens is one thing. Designing gardens that have to be able to be built within eight days is highly unusual. Um, and to make that happen with, I think we had 183 uh, volunteers, some skilled, some not. Um, but I think you, you start to realise of what should be an eight-month build down to an eight-day build. Uh, things just happen at a, at a speed. And I think if you don't know your your chisel, if I may, um, if you could be cut out, um, but but the design has to it, it has to work within that time frame where um, you're understanding that that partway through floating concrete, a production company can walk in and 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 make all machinery just get turned off, uh, <laughs> and then at the same token, um, I think weather waits for no man. It's, it's almost like fast track show gardening, if I may. And when you get talking to people like Sherry Carmen and they're talking about building at Hampton Court Palace Flower Show and they dig down on what was one of the wettest years in, in uh, Hampton's uh, history and the hole in the ground then fills up. It's sort of at that level, if, if I might 
and uh, but but faster again. But I, I I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. I think the emotional part of it, Matt, is something I'm probably not built for, and maybe that's uh, Irish genetics just in there. Uh, probably not the best about talking about myself on a, on this on a serious note. Uh, good at talking, but not talking about myself specifically. Um, but but it's it it's just an eye opener and and a humbling eye opener into the into holding hands with a joint sized group of magical, wonderful, great big hearts to do something better for somebody else. And you tend to walk away from projects like DIY and you can't really complain that your sponsorship was pulled for Hampton Court Palace Lair Show if if no. in context, yeah, you can't. You just can't. No, fair enough. Are there any of the UK shows you're particularly a fan of? And, and if so, why? Um, UK television shows. UK garden makeover shows, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll be very honest, Matt, in, in saying I think growing up, I was very much the old man in the pot and shed type thing. Um, very much when I was growing up, we, we were... But that's going back to the days when you've got six buttons on a, on a, on a television. A lot of your listeners wouldn't even remember what those things were. Um but but now my own television has been disconnected for about 14 years and I, I tend not to see it. I think the last thing I watched on television was when I was in Belgium uh, in December, just gone. Uh, we were doing a little bit of work over there and uh, the A-team came on in Flemish, um, uh, which is, I know, not the answer you were looking for, but there you, there you go. The A-team. Yeah, brilliant. I know, Matt. I'm, I'm really sorry, but I'm a huge A-team fan. But I, I genuinely, I tend not to get to see a whole lot of um, television. Uh, I think the last, honestly, the last time I flicked on was to see the highlights of Chelsea Flower Show uh, last year. Um, and uh, solely because, logically, travel restrictions were in place and I couldn't get there, so... Fair enough. Which which member of the A team do you most closely identify with, Peter? <laughs> I didn't see this one going this way, Matt. Um, it's not scripted that question. I can tell you, it's not either. Uh, I think I think most people would probably say Murdoch, but I I would disagree with that. Uh, I like, I genuinely I like having plans in place. I might come across as being a, a sort. I love of, it when a plan comes together. <laughs> stop it! If you if you're smoking a cigar, that's not even allowed on television anymore. <laughs> Um, I, I like having plans in place. I like knowing what's on the horizon. I'm out of my comfort zone when, when there's not a plan in place for absolutely everything. And I think the way I would word it is in 20 years, I've never had a, a garden design handed back to me and I don't intend to start uh, now. And I think when I do even the television stuff, um, as humbling as it is, emotion tends to has well it has to be put to one side and logic has to prevail um and, and emotion never built anything for somebody who deserves it more than i certainly do uh but but yeah i i i like having a plan in place i hope that answers your question eloquently <laughs> inspires you creatively as a designer we did a, a, a lovely garden for um uh this program has has aired um but we did a lovely garden for a girl called uh, amy mulcahy and amy uh, was involved in a boating accident she was dragged below water for um 
about 10, uh, 10 odd minutes and was told, quote unquote, not my words, that she was uh, incompatible with life. Um, uh, when we, uh, when I first met her, her knuckles were being skinned going in through the front door. Uh, she was living in her front room, uh, again, 13 years of age, uh, where you uh, went to the bathroom, uh, where you slept and where you ate was in, in one place and it just wasn't right. And we, I think as a collective, had this logic in our head that Amy's life would improve, that her quality of living would improve and, and ultimately she would get better. And I'm unsure why I believed that that would be the case. I'm, I'm not the most uh, spiritual nor religious person in the world. Um, and so we, we designed a garden that didn't look like, if I may call it this, and I apologise for my language if I've got this somewhat incorrect, uh, but we, I wanted to design her a garden that didn't look like it was inverted commas a disabled garden and in conversations with friends of mine you'll agree with this and you'll understand this or appreciate it you know raised vegetable beds that are an arm stretch into the center there's nothing wrong with them there's a place for them and paths at minimum 900 wide and i think we designed this giant size big huge pink gabion three and a half four and a half meters long um, but we've got our occupational therapist to measure her height to her waist and the uh, arcs of her knuckles of her hands for her walking assisted frame. And we built it into this big, huge, giant sized pink gabion. Uh, the thing I, I, I loved about it was most, uh, and I, this is a roundabout way of answering your question, but when, when we're talking about taking uh, rocket ships, which double up as bird heights uh, and hide them in between uh, 25, 30 centimeter girt trees, uh, bring in 130 ton tower cranes and crane them in over a house because they are ultimate distractions for, for people, then uh, I don't think the inspiration would come from, uh, no disrespect, but from reading garden design blogs or looking at pin Pinterest pages. I understand that from a client's perspective, but invariably most of the things that I would take inspiration from would be uh, things that are quite sporadic in to, to others or maybe might go by the way for others. And, Funnily enough, the, the catalyst for that uh, three and a half metre tall rocket ship requiring a 130 ton tower crane was actually a wee little spinny top. It almost looks like a simple Simon Says sort of thing you'd get in a lucky bag. And, and I remember sending it to a good friend now, Martin Stapleton, at about half three in the morning. And I could see that, that he is typing thing was coming up on WhatsApp. And I text him back saying, give me five minutes, I'm, I'm going down to make coffee and I'll call you. And I did. And we came up with this design for this magical treehouse, but not a treehouse. But ultimately, that's what it was for a, a six and a half year old kid who, who deserved distractions between uh, life that maybe wasn't as fortunate, if I might, as, as you and I would have it. No, oh, that's a fantastic story, an inspirational story in itself. Now, mm. look at, looking around um, for 2022, there's plenty of uh, um, garden shows, garden events to look forward to, even though there's not much on um, quite yet. But um, Chelsea Flower Show got launched very recently, and um, I don't know if you've had much of a chance to look at the designs, but there's anything there which you, uh, you know, would tip for the top, anything that you, you uh, think is, looked great? 
Um, at, at this moment in time, Matt, I'll be genuinely honest, we're, we're actually mid-flow uh, and apologies to, to, to my esteemed colleagues of the horticultural world. Uh, I see Paul Hervey Brooks is, is, is back all right and, and Paul is pretty much a, a stalwart of the game. I, I'm sure he'll breeze through it. I know um, uh, Tony from uh, Garden Club. Tony is, Woods? Yeah, Tony's back in as well. Another absolute gentleman I spoke with Tony at... Uh, uh, Futurescape in in the XL, uh, but Tony is Tony is a class act. Uh, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what what he comes up with. And the, I think the one thing about Tony is his finishing touches. He he's just a he's a he's a bit of a maestro, um, and I think possibly in this case he, without being disrespectful in any way, but uh, there's a little bit of dark horse about him. But but I think I'd be pinning my money on on maybe on what he would be um, coming up with. I haven't had that much time to go through them solely because uh, I, I wasn't due back to work until this Thursday, uh, my summer holidays, if I may. And I, ca- I came back a week early uh, because uh, we're, we're, we're kicking off with season three. And I won't say I'm under pressure. I don't do pressure at all. But, um, but we've a private garden on the go in Belgium and we've another private garden on the go in, in Germany. So uh, traveling is about to kick off in between television recordings. Yeah, cool. Well, you've been telling me you've been on the road non-stop. Like, how many days out of how many days have you been on the road recently? Uh, I think we did. Uh, I think at its at its peak uh, between November and December, I, I got back about the sixteenth of December, and I think I did 34, 30, I think it was thirty four or thirty three days away, and I was home for uh, two days, and then separately I was home for thirty two minutes. <laughs> which which is uh, a little bit unusual. Yeah, I think I was in I was in London. I was speaking there. Came back, uh, hit the airport, picked up, got into the jeep, gone for two and a half weeks. Came back home for two days. Flew into uh, Ghent in Belgium. If you have an Irish accent, Ghent. If you're actually living there, uh, went into northern France, back to Belgium, and then back home again, and uh, just in time for Christmas. Yeah. What keeps you going though? What what you know? What, all that time on the road, like what what makes you think, crikey, I'm going to keep keep doing this. I'm really. I, what makes you carry on enjoying it? I, I think there's a. I'll go back and and I'll reference the conversation Matt that I had with our good friend Stephen Bennett. Um, for those who are unaware, Stephen was the former. He was the former head of shows, wasn't he? For the yeah, that's right. The yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. The brains behind Ascot, uh, Garden Show, and 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 a few others, and. Um, I think I was saying to Stephen, you know, we've three decent rules in 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 business. Uh, I wouldn't be on my own in this. Are they good people? Will it be a nice garden? And and will we get paid? Is sometimes the one I tend to forget about. Uh, but but when when Futurescape call you and say, will you come and host a a panel talk on on the future of landscape design? When when you ring me and say. Uh, the Smiths are playing. Do you want to go to a? <laughs> do, do you want to go to a, a, a concert in a, a local pub in in London? Uh, post an Arsenal match, or I'm I'm unsure. Post a garden talk. Um, it's very hard, I think, sometimes to turn that down, Matt. But you, you know, you again. I'll say it. I was the the Jarvis Cocker, in in my own head, or the, the geeky kid, at six years of age, growing plants under my bed. Um, when horticulture wasn't what it is now, or certainly garden design, 
uh, wasn't what it is now and how it's perceived. Uh, and I think when, um, whether it's a castle or whether it's a private garden, but when somebody asks you to do the thing that you have always loved doing, pardon me for throwing in the cliche, and then offers to pay you for it, it's, it's, it's extremely humbling uh, on one hand, but when, when it's all you've loved, and I, I'll, I'll say what I said when, when I spoke in London last, it's like Arsene Wenger picking up the phone saying, would you like to play for Arsenal? There, there just is, there's no chance of you saying no, you're just going to go and do it. And, uh, and, and I'll also be honest in saying I love being on the road. I found it very hard to sit still as a kid growing up. Uh, I was always that kid daydreaming out the window. I, I, I taught myself how to speed read so I could spend more time doodling gardens when I was 14 years of age and, and so I wouldn't get into trouble. My brain is sort of of that ilk. Uh, but, but I think ultimately, uh, I, I think there's a, there's a love there for, for the whole horticulture industry and, and maybe that goes back to when, when I'm asked the question of why would you do a, a garden podcast free gratis, I'll bite. I have to give credit to C.D. Stone and London College of Garden Design who were very generous in helping me out uh, over the years. But the answer is, why would you do it? And, and there isn't any logic bank balance accounting response no. to that, you know. And, and there isn't, Matt. You know, sometimes you just you just have to put your hand on your heart and say, because I enjoy it. Well, because we've loved listening to your voice so much, you're, you're getting an extra 10 minutes in our podcast, um, Peter. But, so I'm going, to finish, I'm going to finish off by asking you, you know, what is the future of landscape design then? That completely impossible question. Um, this, was, this was a really interesting one um, when, it, when it did come up at Futurescape because the question I asked, uh, I think the opening question I asked, my apologies, uh, Matt, was, if you're offered a million pound by a fake grass company or 10 grand by a permaculture company, which sponsorship package would you take? And would that change what is perceived as the future of, of landscape design? Would it, would it change how uh, fake grass forward slash permaculture is um, viewed by the public or how it's presented, say, from a grand show and I had this conversation with Tim Hell, uh, who we would all be aware of in the industry, uh, a gentleman and an absolute good friend at this stage of the game and, and Tim reminded me that there already has been uh, a garden with fake grass at Chelsea Flower Show. Anyway, I think it was around about 2010-12, he'd know better than yeah, I would that one. Banned now fake grass in Chelsea. Well, there you go, but, but as a fictitious question, the, the point still stands that if it goes sort of that way and the money's behind it, then ultimately then that's what pushes what can become the next inverted commas trend. Um, and to me, I think if, if the question is asked is the future of landscape design, uh, I mean, Decking has had its run. Prior to that, you would have had Indian sandstone circles. And prior to that, you would have had the Cobblock uh, pandemic. Uh, box hedging is slightly going by the way. Their trends have come and gone and ebbed and flowed. Uh, where it stands at this moment in time, I, I think the question may be at the top of the page, is it a line of pleached uh, trees uh, with with porcelain paving uh, and, and a swimming pool? I, I, I'm unsure, but it, that seems to be what is in vogue at this moment in time and has been for the last number of years. I think what's starting to happen is maybe people are starting to think a little bit outside the box 
And I'm unsure if, if it, the Instagrams and the Pinterests uh, maybe have a role to play in that. But I, I think from, from our client's perspective is really all I can comment on. Uh, what we're finding is people are calling and saying, we, we have this amount of money, we have this space, here's our lifestyle. Uh, can you make us something that is not the same as what everybody else has or, or ultimately what comes out of Peter's head? That's, that makes sense when, when you look at it. And we've had a greater, I think, request for that on one hand from, from private clients. And then on the flip side of it, I think there's probably a humbling privilege again where uh, I'm, I'm part of designing gardens or, or bringing gardens to realisation that are of historic merit and that tend to evoke a little bit more of emotion and memory. And, and when you get into those sort of commemorative gardens, it really is, when you see people with tears in their eyes because of something you've drawn from your head and from your heart, it really is a special thing to be proud of, Matt. So look, there's a, I think there's a place for absolutely everything. Where the future stands, what's the next trend? I'm unsure. You haven't mentioned wild planting and natives, that's what the RHS is uh, banging on about for Chelsea. Is, is, is there any role in that in you know, actually, you know, at, at the coalface where well, actually people with real gardens want? I think the, it's, it's a funny question, Matt, when that comes up about native plants. Uh, and, and ultimately, I, I'll say what I've said before. Uh, I did a, a garden design um, series of, of lectures with uh, Moscow College of Garden Design. And we, we spoke very in depth about um, these titles of just native plants. And I can tell you, if we take it in what we did in France, we put in Crotagus monogyna, which is, which is the hawthorn tree. That's everywhere at Chelsea. Absolutely, and and for I'm delighted to see that one come back instead of the the bachelor Giacomonti. I know no disrespect to that either. Again, there's a place for everything, but when we put in the Crotagus, we didn't have it formed. That's all we did. We didn't have it formed as uh, um, something that was allowed to go off and do its own thing. We had it shaped as if it was something that you would see uh, maybe in in in, in Hortus loci. It was expertly trimmed to look like it was prim and proper, but obviously it's going to evolve from that shape. I think that's one part of it, but, but native plants, invariably, if they're from the British Isles, uh, the geographic location, they're not very attractive, uh, ultimately, as, as a collective, and they tend not to work. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, I appreciate, but you certainly won't have a garden with a swimming pool and a collection of native plants around it. That's one. I think in the uh, wildflowers, which, which had a, uh, it had its, I suppose, platform maybe a couple of years back. And, and that tends to seem to have moved on when we've gone into how councils have done their planting, which is more of wild bulbs now. Um, and, and if you go to the predecessor to both of those, you would have been in the bedding plant craze, which is still around. And again, it still has its place, but it's not as popular. But money, ultimately, I think in all of those three, seems to have... Uh, or it certainly does play a role in it. It doesn't mean that my heart beats louder or, or less because of, but, but money ultimately is going to play a role. And if anybody disagrees with that, we'll make uh, Hawthorne or, or Cortegas one million pound per 25, <laughs> 30 centimetre girt uh, specimen. And I guarantee you that'll go by the way and Birch will come back if it costs 10 quid. It's, <laughs> it's, it's as simple as, it, it doesn't mean I agree with it or I like it, 
but ultimately that's what it comes down to and so you're back to that future of landscape design question again and and money plays a huge role in it we require benefactors if i might for show gardens to go ahead Uh, sometimes uh, lesser budgets means uh, designers have to be a little bit inventive and when they become inventive i think that's when you really see um, uh, creativity come to the fore and formulas sometimes go a little bit out the window Now, I said that was going to be our last topic, but I lied, Peter, because I'm going to ask you another question, which is, what is your desert island plan? We always ask our whole week podcast guests this, and you're no exception. Me and you have spoke at length about this question, Matt, I should add. And you you know that this is my... I text you, I would say, about once a month, saying I can't believe you got that as an answer. Um... But I'm, oh God, Lord, do I, do I actually have, I, I, I think to be quite fair about it, if I was to pick a tree, it would, we have mentioned it and, and I apologise and I'm going to walk away from this wishing I had something, pick something else. But I've, I've got two, I think the one that I would remember reading stories about um, fabled in, in mythology would be uh, Crataegus monogyna, which is the Hawthorne. Um, and the tales of the little people that went with always fascinated me uh, but I think at this moment in time of recording I think the Hamamila Smollis uh, I, I saw uh, Mark Straver put up a beautiful collection of photographs somewhere on Instagram of a whole series of them in flower and I remember showing um, one of the, the guys I work with uh, from uh, Colin, a company called Colin Construction uh, Liam and, and Anthony and I was saying to them before you look at this it reminds me of a series of photosynthetic luminous pipe cleaners back in the day when we used to make spiders with potatoes and people actually could um, uh, do these things as, as a form of entertainment. But, but I think they, they just always fascinated me as a plant that when nothing else was in flower, the, 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 the freaks, the David Bowie, Ziggy Stardust, if I may, of the horticultural world just came out to play. And um, yeah, there's something childlike in my head, maybe Matt, that makes me smile when I see them. Brilliant. All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Peter. Thank you very much to Peter Donegan for appearing on the Horticulture Week podcast. I'm Matthew Appleby, Horticulture Week editor. And make sure you never miss a Horticulture Week podcast. Subscribe to or follow Horticulture Week podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts or your preferred podcast platform. Thank you and goodbye. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.